Amen. All right, thank you. You may be seated. All right, say hello to somebody. Hello, hello, hello. I'd like to greet the folks on YouTube and Facebook. They're coming to us all around the world. They're going to be viewing and praise the Lord for them. You've been very, very faithful in your giving. I say this all the time, but I say it to commend you and it encourages folks to know that even during times of restriction when our congregation is kind of scattered, we've never been closed, but there are folks that still haven't had a chance to get back yet, some only occasionally. The giving has kept up. Aren't you glad that God has moved on hearts? Now that's not to say some people are scared to death and they figure they better get right, but I am, I am glad for whatever causes people to do right. And in this case, you're offering a regular tithe and your faith promise giving. Walk down that, that um, uh, hallway out there and look into the faces of those missionaries, the ones that have passed on. They've got a blessed memory. And the ones that are still serving God, second and third generation serving God. And you want to give from the heart, faith promise giving. Thank you for your faithfulness. You come, you drop it off, you put it in the offering plate, you mail it in. We have love offering envelopes. They've got red writing, says love offering. At the top, write Z-I-C-K, Zik. And we've been giving special offerings now through this month, through the month of April. So March and April for the Zicks. They are open air soul winners. They go to flea markets and fairs and other open air venues down in Florida. They've been winning souls. Month of February, they led 87 souls to Christ. Got follow up information on 87 souls. That's the real deal. That's the real deal. These are not young people. Now, if you're listening, Brother Bert, Sister Bertie, I'm saying it as nice as I can. They're young old people. And, uh, and, and uh, Brother Bert, I know Miss Skip from back in Bible college, had to take on Uber Eats. That, not to eat, but to, to drive to make enough money to stay alive. Lost support, didn't have support during COVID. So we took up and gave six months supplemental support so we'd be able to go out and soul win. We took up this offering that we took up for another six months. And then lo and behold, here's what happened. This past week, the past weekend, uh, there was a tornado that came through Sefner, Florida. And that tornado set down right there in that flea market. And that tornado tore up several of the display areas and came to where the Zix area was and took the tent and left everything else like Jesus was wrapping his arms around it. Protected everything else. Tent's gone. Gone. So we bought him a new tent. Amen. We bought him a new tent. And they'd normally have to have a white tent in that flea market, but they could only find blue. So they got the only blue one in there. So draw some attention. God bless you, Bert and Bertie. Found out this weekend under the tent that you folks bought for them, under that tent, 14 precious souls got led to Christ so far this weekend. 14 precious souls. Amen. So give. Amen. Given it shall be given unto you. We've got the digital bulletin available for you that are viewing online. Just scroll down and tap. It says, Jesus is our safe harbor. He's uh, sparing us from worse storms, watching over us. And there are storms, and He's our shelter in the time of storm. Amen. After the service today, Gwendolyn is going to be back at the um, bookstore, our bookstore. 
We've got some items that you need to get. Answers to your Bible version questions by David Daniels. He's the man that took over for Jack Chick at, uh, at Chick Publications, which is a track publication uh, house. And this is just $10. Answers to your questions. We've got a few of them. We've got about a dozen of them back there. And so I trust that you'll get back there first and get yours. Now, some of you remember Dr. Sam Gipp. Some of you remember Dr. Sam Gipp. And here he has the answer book, a help book for Christians. I've given this to many of you. How many of you I gave you this already? Raise your hands. Or oh, you have bought one? Sure. All right, there you go. That's book number one. Guess what? He's come out with book number two and book number three. Get yourself a set. All right, how many questions in there? Here's question, let's see, through number 120. 125 questions that people, sometimes not very educated people, but they think they are, will ask you about your Bible. I believe the Bible is the Word of God. This will help you. $5 a piece, $15 for a set of three. If you want to get all three, get there as quickly as you can. We'll get more if they all go away today, but I want you to get back there if you possibly can. Speaking of knowing your Bible, how many of you have been in the Bible Institute or you viewed the Bible Institute online? Raise your hands. We've got, of course, online our soul winning seminar but the last two years, you can trust your King James Bible to be true. We're having graduation, and it's going to be on Sunday evening, June 27th at 6.30. I hope that you'll fill out that form. And if you haven't yet, listen, if you haven't yet viewed this year, you've got enough time, you've got two months and a week plus, that you could view all of these online, and you could be included in our graduation that Sunday night. We're going to hand out certificates. And last year, I think 57 or 58, that uh, some were online and some were distance, but uh, praise the Lord for each and every one. Just go on, look, 1501, 1502, 1503, 1504, 1505, 1506. And that's what you're going to look at to complete this and get it done. Praise the Lord. All right. I read it to you before. I'm going to read it again. This is a poll, a national poll. U.S. churchgoers say they'll return post-COVID. Amen. I like good news. I tell you, this didn't come from CNN, NBC, ABC, or any of the rest of those alphabet places. All right? U.S. churchgoers. Churchgoers aren't attending yet at pre-pandemic levels, but most say they're, they value gathering with their congregation and are anxious to do so when the threat of COVID-19 ends. Now, that's a perceived thing, I know. So when, whenever they feel it's safe. A study of 1,000 churchgoers in the U.S. done by Lifeway Research, that's the Southern Baptist folks, found when COVID-19 is no longer an active threat that is perceived to people's health, 91% plan to attend in-person worship services at least as often as they did before the coronavirus pandemic. That includes almost a quarter, 23% who plan to attend more than they did previously. I'm here to tell you our attendance, our total attendance here and live stream and later on in the archives is up from what it was pre-pandemic. Praising God for that, just like the giving is up. Praise the Lord for that. Good things come out of bad things. How many of you believe that? Amen. God is working in a wonderful way. Now, men, listen to this. I sent you an electronic message yesterday. You're going to get one in the snail mail eventually. 
We will have a virtual faithful men's meeting at 7.30 p.m. Monday, May 3. That's a couple weeks out. So a virtual faithful men's meeting like we did before at 7.30 p.m. May, uh, Monday, May 3. It's not that there's any problem. It's not that there's any real new news. There is not a lot of real new news. <coughs> but we're going to talk about <coughs> how we can go forward, how we can see God bless in a wonderful way. I believe that God is going to bless. How many of you believe that? I do. Amen and amen. All right. Do this for me now. Will you take your Bible? Will you take your Bible? All right. And hold it up. And you know what I'm going to do now? Say it with me. I believe the Bible is the Word of God. I believe there are no mistakes in it. And God helping me, I'm going to try to obey it. Amen. I love I wish all of you out there that are viewing and will be viewing the future could hear the folks in here. I hope you did that at home. There's, there's some widow or single person out there going, I believe the Bible is the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Some little family, some little mini congregation. We've got small groups and congregations and people out there. And you in the overflow room, God bless you out there as well. Do you know what it means when we read 2 Timothy 2.15. I want you to go, this is not our text, but it is a good reference point. 2 Timothy 2.15. It says, study to show thyself approved unto God. Who do we need approval from? Come on. Do we need approval from the world? Do we need approval from the government? Amen, amen. All right. Do we need approval from your neighbors? Now, we realize we want to be a testimony. We don't, don't want to make enemies. I understand that. But we're to be approved unto God. So, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman, that's not a dirty word, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth. The reason you come to this church, Brother Harps, Sister Harps, is because we preach the word. That's it. The reason why you were really willing to walk today is because we preach the Word. I'm glad you didn't have to walk. Amen. Amen. The reason you're here today, you say, oh, I just love the people. I do too, but that's not the reason you come. You say, I love the music. I do too, but that's not why you come. I just love this. I love that. That's not why you come. You come because we preach the Word. That's it. And God has told us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. We're to keep coming together and coming together. And you out there that are online, God bless you. That's good. You're with us because we preach the Word of God. I'm talking about the old King James Bible. I'm talking about one that has not changed. I'm talking about one that we can defend and stand upon. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Where there is no vision... I mean, in the Bible, the people perish. We got the vision right here. Amen. Now, there are so many metaphors in the Bible to help us understand truth. Jesus spoke in what? Parables. That means to place alongside. So He would give an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Everybody understands illustration. Spurgeon said, illustrations allow, are like windows that allow the light in. So you get it. You get it. I've been to church on occasion when I was a little guy, and I remember hearing so many prophetic 
messages that uh, when I would imitate a preacher as a little guy, I'd get up and I'd say, and Magog, and Gog, and I'd be preaching from prophetic passages of Scripture, Ezekiel and others. But there were a lot of things as a little kid I didn't get. I didn't understand. I love it. I love it that we have children's ministries and teen ministries and even ministries for folks like us with illustrations and stories and metaphors. Here, Jesus, Jesus is presented in this metaphor. It says in Isaiah chapter 32, we've got a figure of speech. It says, Behold, a king shall reign in righteousness, and princes shall rule in judgment. And a man shall be as a hiding place from the wind, and a covert from the tempest, as rivers of water in a dry place, as a shadow of a great rock in a weary land. Now there's not a person here that's been saved any length of time that doesn't recognize that that's referring prophetically to Jesus Christ. Jesus is a rock in a weary land, isn't He? He's our rock. Amen. He's our protection. He's the one who cares for us and keeps us. Praise the Lord for that. Let me read on. And the eyes of them that see shall not be dim, and the ears of them that hear shall hearken. The heart also of the rash shall understand knowledge, and the tongue of the stammerer shall be re ready to speak plainly. What is, what is this? Is this? Is this about our time or Jesus' time, or is it about a time yet future? It's speaking of when King Jesus comes to rule and reign on this earth once again. When Jesus comes again and He is here on earth, He's going to sit on the throne of His ancestor in the flesh, King David. He's going to sit on that throne and He's going to rule righteously for 1,000 years. And right now we're getting ready for King Jesus to come back. When He comes back and He rules and reigns, those that have lived for Him and been willing to be persecuted and have suffered for Him are going to rule and reign with Him a thousand years. We're getting our place ready in the kingdom right now. Age of grace Christians serving the Lord. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're telling me what I do now has an impact on what's going to happen then? Absolutely. Only I didn't say it, the Lord said it. When you read through the parables of the kingdom, they're in Matthew chapter 13. When you read through any of the Old and New Testament uh, information about the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, you see and understand what I am saying. That our faithfulness, not the amount, not the quantity, but our faithfulness. Are you in character a faithful person? Have you been, have I been by our behavior Faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. God is looking for some faithful men and women. Some faithful boys and girls who will live for Jesus Christ. Now I understand that this is speaking prophetically of Jesus Christ. Dispensationally off in the future, in the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. I also understand something else about this. There is a historic application that which was going on right then. Right then. For in the 32nd chapter of the book of Isaiah, we have him uh, making reference to some of the good folks as far as humans go. We're all flawed sinners, everybody. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But he's referring historically to a godly leader, none other than Hezekiah. Hezekiah. We find him popping up throughout the Scripture. 
Now, Hezekiah was not a perfect man. I can tell you right now, what most Christians do, I can go immediately to the things he did wrong. One of the things he did wrong was at the end of his extended life, God extended his life 15 years, at the end of his extended life, why he showed the enemy, their ambassadors, all of the wonderful things of Jerusalem, which they eventually sacked and took when they invaded later on. And that was a mistake, and he had kind of a, uh, so what attitude about it. Not a perfect man, but a very good man, even perhaps a great man, as far as human beings are concerned. And when you read this passage of Scripture, thinking about what a person can be potentially when they yield to God, you understand a person like Hezekiah pops up as we have the reference here. Behold, a king shall reign in righteousness, and princes shall rule in judgment. A man shall be as a hiding place from the wind, and a covert from the tempest, as rivers of water in a dry place, as a shadow of a great rock in a weary land. Now I know, prophetically, that's Jesus. But historically, that's referring right then to the good king Hezekiah. Hmm. Think about that. I can make an application. I was just a little kid. But every time I'd hear that voice, and I'd see on the old grainy television set, which my parents hardly ever put on. It was an old black and white television set. I would see the grainy image and hear the voice of Dwight David Eisenhower. Dwight David Eisenhower. President of the United States. Not a perfect man. Not a perfect man. Been general in World War II. Ran for president and won the presidency, not once but twice, back in the 1950s. Not a perfect man, by any stretch of the imagination. But as a little kid, watching Dwight David Eisenhower, I could say, I like Ike. And the reason I could say that without disrespect was because he said good things, made me feel comforted and comfortable and secure. Having Dwight David Eisenhower as president, and I'm not being partisan here, in those days there were certain leaders, statesmen, that made you feel like grandpa was in charge. And you just felt comfortable. You felt secure as far as human beings are concerned. I want you to think for just a moment. You're not maybe in that age category. I don't know. What kind of effect do we have? What kind of leader are we around other people? What have we allowed God to do through our life? If Jesus Christ is prophetically the hiding place from the wind, the covert from the tempest, the rivers of water in a dry place, the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. If that's Jesus Christ prophetically, then as we reflect Jesus Christ in our life, do other people have that sense of well-being and security? Do they feel like we've got it together and we're a, a good source of information and a good witness and, and uh, we're not the kind of person that's going to, to trick them or deceive them or give them the short end of the stick? You know what I'm saying. God's people need to regain a testimony among those that are not God's people 
by allowing God to have His way through us. We need to be the kind of people that folks down in the country used to call good folks. I know there is none righteous, no, not one. I know we're all sinners. But on a day-to-day basis, our neighbors ought to consider us good folks. Our friends and family and in-laws ought to consider us good folks. Now the people, the people who are that way, let's go back to Dwight David Eisenhower for a second, President of the United States. He didn't get to be great by trying to be liked. He didn't get to be great by trying to compromise with every interest group that he could get to the table and get their votes or whatever. That isn't how it happened. Dwight David Eisenhower and other people of character that we have known in our life get to where they're going because they let God have His way in their life. Whether you are a superior athlete, celebrity, uh, famous person, or totally unknown, you get to where you are because you let God have His way. Every day you get up and say, I'm going to work, Lord. Let me be world class at my job, at my desk, in my place, at the place of business where I work, out in the open or or there in the factory or there on the assembly line or wherever it is. Lord, let me be world class for your glory. Let somebody say, man, I can see Jesus in your life. Let somebody say, there's a difference about this person. I'm talking about folks who say, I go to Central Baptist Church, and they say, you're one of those, you're one of those, we can see Jesus in them. Wow. So historically, that passage of Scripture refers to a real flesh and blood person, Hezekiah, who on a limited scale, because he's flawed, he's a sinner, but he lets God use him And even though he messes up from time to time, the pattern of his life is to get up and go again and serve God. For to me, to live is what? Christ, and to die is gain. The Apostle Paul said that, and for a very good reason. You see, the Apostle Paul knew that in him there dwelt no good thing. He said so. I know that in me there dwells no good thing. You leave me to my own devices, I'm a mess. But if I'm yielded to God, He can use me, He can bless somebody's life, and that's where we need to be today. To say, Lord, I am totally dependent upon You. You're my rock. I I am going to be protected by You. I'm going to be cared for by You. But Lord, let me be an extension. Let me be a reflection. Let me show other people what you're like in my life. Let me be that comforter. Let me be that helper. Some of the best blessings I've ever received in my life, all of them received from God, because every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from Him. But there was an intermediary. There was a go-between. There was an There was a middle person, a middle man, middle woman. There was somebody who God used to bless my life. And my prayer is, Lord, let me be that kind of intermediary. Let me be that kind of a middle man. Let me be that kind of in-between person that you bless somebody's life by something that I say, something that I do, by an attitude that's yielded to God. I don't want me to be seen. I want you to be seen, Lord. We need to be the ones that the Lord uses to bless other people's lives. We see the wind being pictured in our Scripture today. And the wind 
around here, sometimes we get rain with it, sometimes we don't. A hiding place from the wind. And that wind can be very pleasant if it's cooling us off. You know, it can be, it can be a good thing, but that wind can be destructive, like the tornado that took the tent. Now, God let that happen so that we would have the opportunity to be a blessing also. And they, in turn, would have an opportunity to be a blessing back with those 14 saved this first portion of a weekend, anyway. So, the wind, the wind can, can be a destructive force, though. Uh, sometimes it shakes. Sometimes it creates unrest. Sometimes it causes, causes uh, a mess. And uh, things get... Uh, redeployed and, and blown all over the place. And there are people that have that kind of wind in their life, mentally, emotionally, yes, spiritually, relationally, financially. You know some people like that. Maybe you qualify as one that is being described. You have in your life a sense of, of distress, everything being blown apart. And you say, man, what can I do? What, what can I possibly do for that. Well, first of all, let me say, you can believe what the Bible says, that the Lord Himself is a hiding place from the wind. When you're starting to be distressed mentally, emotionally, spiritually, uh, relationally, financially, you can run to Jesus. You can go there. And I say, get there as fast as you can. Get into the Word. Get, get into His presence in prayer. And run there as fast as you can. But it's good to have a buddy, a friend, a spiritual uh, source that you can go to. And you've got your preacher and, and you've got your first lady, and that's true. And they, there are other believers in the church. And when they give you straight Bible and they give you good uh, biblical and scriptural answers at times of, of distress, that's where you need to go as well. You don't need to go to an unsaved source. You don't need to go to some, someone that's going to give you false comfort. In other words, it's not necessarily good and productive to go to someone who says, oh, I understand, I completely understand, and I agree with you. That's not necessarily the best place to go. Because if what they're saying doesn't line up with the Word of God, that's the worst thing, because you're getting reaffirmation of your wrong thinking, wrong feeling, wrong believing. Need to go to the Word or go to somebody that's in agreement with the Word. So how can you find out? Well, you just get around them a little bit, you'll figure it out. If what motivates them is money, it's not the Word. If what motivates them is position and popularity, it's not the Word. If what motivates them is the, the, the approval of man, it's not the Word. So those are not the people you need to go to when you're in a time of distress. You need to go to somebody, and we know folks like this, so they're so humble, they don't even think about those things. But they say, well, let's, let's sit down, first of all, take a deep breath, let's get in the Word, let's, have, let's pray. And they want, to, they want to take some time with you. And they want to show you something from the Word. And they're willing to be there with you, at least for a period of time. Don't expect someone to be with you 24-7. We'll be there as long as we can. We can't be there 24-7, all right? And we can't do all the breathing and the believing for you. You're going to have to do your own breathing and your own believing. That's important. So when we get done with this meeting... We get all done with this talk and this prayer. What are you going to do? I'm going to breathe deep. I'm going to read the Word. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to go get, go get protection. I'm going to hide from the wind in Jesus Christ. I'm going to get my protection there. And I'm not going to mistake you for Jesus, but I'm going to thank God for you. I'm going to thank Jesus that you were in my life, but I'm not going to mistake you for Jesus because 
We have a problem when we do that. We need to go straight to Jesus. Amen. So we have protection from the wind, a covert from the tempest. The storm comes in. You've got to have, have a bomb shelter, a storm shelter, something like that, a place that's going to be dry, protected. Rivers of water in a dry place. That's a different metaphor. Sometimes your life is characterized by a drought, spiritual drought. Anybody ever feel that way? You feel like the water, like the vitality had just been sucked out. You feel like a desert. And spiritually, mentally, emotionally, somewhere in your life, some venue of your life, it's not the way it's supposed to be. Jesus Christ supplies every need, including that vitality. He says, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. He came to give you more than just eternal life. He came to give you what you need to take the next step and in turn be a blessing to someone that's having a more difficult time than you are. Guy was complaining because he didn't have any shoes till he met somebody that didn't have any feet. Are you listening to me? There's always somebody that's worse off. Thank God for what we've got, for who we are in Christ, for the blessings He's bestowed on us. He keeps pouring it on and pouring it on and pouring it on and pouring it on. And God's people ought to be thankful people. And God's people ought to be praising people. And God's people ought to be witnessing people. And instead of focusing on what we haven't got or what we've lost or what isn't perfect or what isn't right, let's focus on what God has provided. I've still got a pulse. I can still breathe. God still wants me to live for Him. He still wants me to speak up for Him. So if you've been doing your worst impression of a dead person and you're alive, then come alive and get the abundant life in Jesus Christ. Give me an amen. 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 He's our hiding place. He's our shelter. That's right. He's, he's our provision for life. He gives us what we need. Praise the Lord. And as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. Let me just say this. Whether you are the one who is running to Jesus, and we all need to, for that hiding place, for that covering over, whether we're running to Him for that, that refreshing water, that, that relief from drought, spiritual, mental, emotional drought, or whether we're running into Him for that protection like that great rock in a weary land. Whether we're doing that or whether we are living for Jesus a life that's true. Striving to please Him in all that we do. Whether we're living out Jesus Christ before others. This may be a lost and dying world or weaker Christians. People that are wounded and hurting and needy. So whether we're going to Him ourselves or whether we're living that out before others so that they'll go to Him. Here's the truth that I have discovered. It doesn't do us any good to stand in front of the rock in which we should be hiding. It's not me getting out front. Here I am. I'm your answer. That's not going to work. When that tornado or that hurricane or that tempest blows in, guess what? You've got to be in the rock, not in front of the rock, not, not off to the side of the rock, but in the rock, in the rock, in the cleft of the rock, protected in the rock. That's where we've got to be. We never, ever become so 
spiritually independent, mature, and capable that we don't need to go to the rock. Still need to go to the rock. I've been saved, good night, half a century. I've been saved over 60 years. I still got to go to the rock. Not occasionally, all the time. Got to go to the rock. Got to get in that cleft of that rock and be protected. Because the storms that come at us from the world, the flesh, and the devil are nasty. How many of you made the mistake early on in thinking somehow that this battle with the world, the flesh, and the devil was going to be kind of a, kind of a walk in the park? How many of you thought, oh, you know, it's not going to be anything too difficult. I can handle this. I can handle this. No, you can't. Not only is the world, the flesh, and the devil more powerful than any believer apart from Christ. But he fights dirty. And he's like the kid out on the playground. You ever play basketball with a kid like this, Neil, where about every play he changes the rules? He says, oh, oh no, the line's here. No, you've got to do this. No, you have to, you know. And that's the devil. The devil fights dirty. He plays only by his own rules, and he's constantly changing them. It's no fun. This is no picnic. The battle that we have is so complex, so difficult, so challenging, so trying, that if you attempt it on your own, you'll be worn out, and you'll just be another statistic. It's not going to happen. How many, how many guys, how many gals that have come out of incarceration, Brother Ed, They've tried to do it on their own, have failed. More than we like to talk about. Thank God for everyone that succeeds. But they're only succeeding because they're running to the rock. Running to the rock. That's right. You say, well, I've been through a storm. I'm going to stand out here. How would it be if you own beachfront property in Florida in hurricane season? And you say, you know, I've been through 20 years of hurricanes. We boarded up. We've done all the stuff. We've, we've even uh, we've gotten on the... Uh, evacuation route from time to time. We've gone away and come back and repaired and done all that. I've, I've seen every kind of storm there is. Done it for 20 years. I'm just going to stand out here and face it. Mistake. Big mistake. You have to take precautions constantly. You've got to run to the rock. Run to the rock. Run to the rock. Every time you're feeling that storm coming, run to the rock. Claim the promises of God in His Word. You got to get into the Word. You say, well, I, I'm not quite adept at it yet. All right, then find somebody spiritual that's on par with the world, Word of God and, and lined up with, with what He says in the Bible and get with them until you get your feet and you're able to do that. But you're going to need this every single day. This is what is necessary in order to thrive. All right, even survive and thrive is what you're going to need. You have to, have to go the Bible way. You got to look to the rock. That's it. He's all that we'll ever need. And He's all that your family will ever need. He's all that your troubled neighbors will ever need. The people that say to you, you got, you're very religious, aren't you? That's what they say, isn't it? You're very religious. Uh, you, you, seem, you go to church, you seem to be religious. Now, don't get real technical with them. Just say, let me show you why. I'm going to show you a person. And He is... He is represented as a rock. Not just a rock, but several, several other representations. And it's in Isaiah 32.2. Remember that. Isaiah, remember that address. Isaiah 32.2. 2. 
and just say, now here's what it comes down to. Right now, he's a hiding place. He's a covert. He's rivers of water. He's shadow of a great rock in a weary land. But he needs to be your hiding place. He needs to be your covert. He needs to be your protection, your provision. He needs to be your rock in a weary land. He needs to be personal. He needs to be. Is he yours today? Do you know him? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to help you out. With heads bowed and eyes closed. First of all, let me ask you, how many of you today would say, Preacher, that was a message for me. God spoke to my heart. Slip your hand up high. That was a message for me. God spoke to my heart. Amen. God bless you. That's good. How many of you would say, Preacher, certainly I know people. I've got neighbors, friends, co-workers, uh, relatives, in-laws that need that message. Slip your hand up high. Come on. Got family, friends, neighbors, acquaintances, yes, that need that message. Don't forget Isaiah 32 too. All right, what we're saying today is this. There's an application for those that are saved. There's an application for the unsaved. Unsaved need to come to the rock for the first time. God will draw you by cords of love if you just say this from your heart, that you're a sinner and you need a Savior and you want Jesus Christ to save you. I'm going to help you right now with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're not 100% sure that heaven is your home, then right now... I'm going to tell you how you can be saved by grace through faith. Not of yourself. Not of works, lest any man should boast. But by taking God's free gift. Here's what you do. Pray from your heart to God. Pray something like this. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. If you prayed that prayer and meant it, would you slip your hand up? Anyone at all? When I think of all my faults and all my failures When I consider all the times I've let God down I am humbled by the grace He has extended And I'm amazed at the mercy I have found I can never earn His love on my own Yet every time I come before His throne I stand redeemed by the blood of the Lamb I stand redeemed before the great I Am When He looks at me nail-scarred hands that bought my liberty I stand redeemed Amen. 
Even at my best, I am unworthy. I have nothing precious I can give. A broken life is all I have to offer. And yet, it's priceless gift to Him. The bitter mark of sin will never fade away. But I can come before Him unashamed. I stand redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I stand redeemed before the great I Am. When He looks at me, He sees a nail-scarred hand that bought my liberty. I stand redeemed, I stand redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I stand redeemed before the great I Am. When He looks at me, He sees a nail-scarred hands that bought my liberty. I stand redeemed, I stand